Welcome to the Redeemer Podcast. For more information about Redeemer Church, visit makingmuchofjesus.org. We hope you enjoyed the talk and invite you to visit us next Sunday at either our 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. service. Uh, today we have the privilege of having uh, our friends from Thailand who are missionaries there serving for 12 years now and have been home for the past how long? How many months have you guys been back? Seven. About seven months uh, in Pennsylvania on furlough. And that's Greg and Corinne Hortman, who we've been supporting for a few years now. And they're here with us this weekend. Actually, uh, Corinne is over in the children's building now. It's talking to the kids about Thailand and telling them about their work and what they do, how they tell uh, Thai people about Jesus Christ. And Greg's here to give us an update and to share uh, his heart with us and what the Lord is doing, what he sees in Thailand and around the world. And I'm so reminded of the Psalms that just cry out again and again and again, worthy are you, O Lord, to receive all glory and honor. And, and wisdom and strength and majesty and power and fame, not just from Israel and not just from America, but from all nations. And so we're just so honored and privileged. Uh, while you have a nice reprieve from the book of Ecclesiastes and all the joy that that book's been bringing us, uh, conviction upon conviction, uh, our brother Greg's here to give us a great update. So would you welcome uh, Greg Hortman? Thank you. It's, it is an honor to be here and uh, to come and see you guys. We're, we're from Pennsylvania, and so we don't get to Houston much, which is a shame, and I feel it's unfair uh, because this is, we love coming here, and we love meeting all of you. Um, it's, it's such a blessing to know that with such good people, faithful people, are, are supporting us through prayer, uh, through funds as well, and enabling us to, to do what God's called us to do. And uh, as Jeff said, we've been, we've been home for seven months now. Um, I came and spoke here last year, and I think I shared, um, God, was, God was revealing in our hearts that we had kind of overdone, our, overdone it, uh, we had kind of overworked ourselves, and we needed to come home and uh, rest, and, and, and by saying rest, I don't mean sit on the couch and eat popcorn, uh, but rest and restore and rejuvenate, and uh, so that's what we've been working on in the last six months, and uh, it's been very good, and so thank you for praying for us, thank you for uh, lifting us up before the Lord, asking God to, to sort of... Uh, rejuvenated us. We've been uh, spending a lot of time with family, which has been great for our kids. Um, we've also been studying under our pastor and our elders in spiritual formation and leadership and those things, and, and it's been very, very good. So often on the mission field, the missionary is always put in the place of the leader, and you don't get much chance to be the learner. And so just to have that time to learn again and get away from everything and get some perspective, um, it's been very good. And now we, we're not going back till July, and so we still have a lot of time, and I'm feeling God saying, uh, you did rest, and now your, your next month, it's still going to be some rest, but it's also preparing. And so we're just asking God to show us how he wants us to prepare ourselves to go back and what we should be focusing on when we get there. So thank you for being a part of that. Thank you for making that happen for us. Um, I just lost my train of thought. Oh, so today I'm going to give a message. That's what I'm here for. And um, this message is going to be a little bit different. Uh, it's going to be a, kind of a lot of information. And so I want to apologize if it's, if it's just kind of an information information overload, and it just kind of, I don't know, goes over your head, or if it's just too much. I'm, so, I'm sorry. Um, and uh, if that happens, you can just, just, just stop listening. It's okay. And just have your own little time with Jesus, and uh, thank him that I don't preach here every week. That'd be good. So, <laughs> Okay, so uh, let's, let's pray. Uh, Jesus, we just thank you so much um, for how you bring people together. And Lord, it's a, it's, a, it's a blessing to be here in Houston among these faithful people that you have called and raised and grown and uh, that you love me enough that I get to be here and meet them 
And uh, Lord, we ask as brothers and sisters that are broken and that are, that are, are just human, we, we come before you and we ask and plead with you. Lord, help us to see as you see. Help us to see this world the way you see it. And so, Lord, just all the other distractions we might have this morning, we just put those aside and we ask, ask Lord, open our eyes so we can see with your eyes. In Jesus' name, amen. Being in America is, is kind of funny. Um, coming home and after living in Thailand for 12 years, and we've come home some, but this is the longest we've been home in a long time, and uh, it, it, it's odd. I'll just say it that way. Uh, I've, I've become a little more Thai and a little less American, maybe. And, uh, but the, the, the most awkward thing that happens when I'm in America is when people ask me, what do you do? And uh, it always, I always, sometimes I fudge around. I'm like, well, I'm a teaching. And eventually it gets to the point where they realize that I'm a missionary. And that's always kind of, that's always kind of awkward because, you know, um, when people think of missionary, they get certain pictures in their mind, don't they? And um, not some, a lot of times it's something like this, right? Because you know, they, they, they start asking questions like, so you live in a bamboo hut? I'm like, no, no, I don't. And like, do you know... Do you know how to use a cell phone? Yes, I know how to use a cell phone. Like, you get these kind of questions. And a lot of times, but this is where this picture comes from, is, is things like this. A lot of people, and, and I too, before I went to the mission field, we often think a missionary is a white person who goes and works in a far-off land that you'll never visit among a people that you'll never meet. Right? I mean, that's, that's basically what we think of missionaries. They come back with amazing stories. And we often think that those missionaries, they have to be the uh, do-it-all kind of people. They're going... And they're often they're trained in medical stuff. They're also translating the Bible. They're pastors. They're starting their churches. They're doing everything. And then they live and they die there. That's generally what this picture oftentimes we have of missionaries in our minds. And uh, my hope today, my plan today is sort of to update us on what modern missions is, on, on what missionaries are currently doing. And uh, so that's my goal. Let's see how successful I am at that. The first thing has to do with this picture, oops, sorry, this picture right here. Now, I don't know if this means anything to you, but this does mean something to somebody who's from a place called Lancaster, Pennsylvania, all right, where the Amish people live. When my wife and I were in Thailand our first year, we're walking around in a market, and we saw a blanket with this on it. This is in Thailand, okay, where we saw this. And we immediately looked at it and said, what is going on? Because we recognize that that is a little Amish girl. It's a quilt pattern that's used in Lancaster County. When you go into the markets of the Amish markets, you can buy those famous quilts with this kind of picture on it. And we're saying, what, how in the world is this in Thailand? What is going on? And this market was all local-made stuff, and we just couldn't figure it out. So we started asking questions, and we got a history lesson. Back in the Vietnam War, there was a people group called the Hmong people that the U.S. government was helping train and equip to fight the Viet Cong. And because they were allies during that time, many of them were able to immigrate to the United States. And many of them settled in a place called Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. They were looking for jobs, and by their culture, they loved to sew. And so Amish people hired them to make Amish quilts. Now, any good Asian, like the Hmong are, will think, well, why am I doing this by myself? They'll call their family members back in Asia, and they'll say, hey, can you make some blankets for me? So they sent the patterns back to Asia, made some blankets. Those blankets got sent to Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and were sold there. And then, of course, the Asians, the ones in Asia, were thinking, why are we selling them just in America? We should sell them here, too. Thus, Corinne and I saw them in the market of Thailand. The world is getting to be a small place, isn't it? This kind of thing is happening all over the world. People don't live anymore where they're originally from. It's happening all over the place, and it really does change missions. It really changes it a lot. Um, 
we're with an organization called OMF. OMF was uh, started by a famous missionary named Hudson Taylor, and it was originally called China Inland Mission. They were focused on um, China. Now, in 1950s, they all got kicked out because of the communism, and so then they focused on East Asia. So it's always been their focus. You know, we want to send missionaries to East Asia. It's not that we don't care about South America. We just don't feel called for that. And so they're just focusing on East Asia. Well, a few years ago, we heard that OMF was actively recruiting the missionaries, or people that were willing to go to Africa. And we thought, what, what happened? Did our organization lose their focus? Are they, what are they doing? So we asked a couple questions, and we found out, no, uh, they're not. They said, well, the interesting thing is Chinese, the, China, the country of China is very interested in Africa right now because they want their natural resources. So they're sending thousands of Chinese people into Africa to start companies, rubber plantations, oil, all sorts of things to get those natural resources. And we are called to re reach East Asians. We are not called to just go to East Asia, but we are called to reach East, East Asians. Sorry to say. And that includes the Chinese, and that includes the Chinese in Africa. And so we want people that are willing to go to Africa and reach Chinese people. And so now they are actively um, sending missionaries just to target the Chinese people of Africa. Bizarre. Not something I saw coming. Um, my mother, um, my mother uh, in Pennsylvania, she never went anywhere, um, she, but she worked at a literacy council. It's called the Literacy Council of York in our town. And uh, the whole point was to teach English to immigrants that had come. And it was amazing uh, how many people she met just doing this small job in our small town. And if I could explain a little bit more about my, my town, it's, it's not a diverse place. Okay? It's, it's just not. Um, but now with all the immigration, it's just becoming that way. And so my mom at home, she has this shelf. We call it her idol shelf. Uh, because every time she teaches somebody, they, the students, being, they're just, they love their teachers and they want to give them gifts. So they always love gifts, little statues, little trinkets and stuff. And she puts them all on, the, all on this shelf and we joke it's our idol shelf. And, and, uh, but it's amazing how many different countries are represented on this shelf. And my mom has been a missionary to probably over 40 different countries and never traveled more than 20 miles by doing that. Amazing. One of our teammates um, in Thailand, uh, she's a single lady, and she felt called to reach Thai people. She came and joined our team. She's been doing amazing work. But Thailand's experienced some political trouble, and they've decided to uh, revoke her visa. It was very sad. We were all very disappointed. And so she she's actually from Singapore. She returned to Singapore, and um, she's thinking, what now what? I, I thought that was my calling. Well, another missionary in OMF contacted us and said, hey, here in China, we have 3,000 Thai students studying at the universities. Do you have anybody that could come and help us out? And we said, we do. And so right now, Sherlyn, our teammate, she is applying for a visa to go to China to reach the Thais there. In the same few months, a Chinese house church, you've probably heard a little bit about this amazing underground movement in China with house churches. They sent a team of representatives to Thailand because they're feeling called to send missionaries as house church, when it's not legal to be Christians in, Thailand, in China, they're sending missionaries to Thailand to reach the Thai people. God's doing something amazing right now with all of this where people aren't living where they're, where they're not from. At the same time, that's the first point, is that people are living all over the world and not where they come from. At the same time, uh, God's doing something else. And the uh, best way to explain it is to explain my friend here, Ang. This is he and his wife. Uh, you might think he's Thai or Chinese, but he's actually Canadian. Uh, he's um, been serving in Thailand with OMF for quite some time. And he came to Thailand. Uh, he's, his background is actually in business. It's, it's accounting and finance. And he came and he's like, I, I'm feeling called that I'm supposed to come and I'm just supposed to help somehow 
and um, I, I'm, accountant, I'm an accountant and, and finance and all those things. Do you, could you use me? And missionary, missionaries, we're terrible with dealing with money. Terrible. And so we're like, yes, please come and handle these finances. And it's really tricky because, you know, my money goes through a couple different countries sometimes before I get it. And so there, there's all sorts of legal issues and things like that. And so he took on the whole finances for a bunch of different missionaries, which eventually grew to where he was overseeing about 200 missionaries, their accounts, their finances, making sure they got the money they needed to do the ministry that they needed to do. And those 200 missionaries are spread over six different countries. And that's how he was serving. He just had such a servant's heart. Uh, Any email I got or when I met him in person, he was always asking me, like, how can I help you? Do you have what you need? I just want to make sure you have what you need. Let me know if there's any problems. I will work it out. Uh, in such a servant's heart. And with, with 200 missionaries to serve, he knew he needed to, to, to get more people helping him to be able to do this well. And so he started hiring Thai nationals and training them in accounting and training them in a servant's heart. Every, every morning they, they have a little Bible study where they pray for the missionaries they're serving. Um, they learn about servant uh, leadership and servant accounting. And um, now he's trained them so well that I don't even really get emails from Aang anymore. I just get it from the Thai national staff, and uh, they're doing an amazing job. And so he's basically um, sort of multiplied himself in Thailand. And uh, actually, he's bored now. Uh, They're doing it so well, he doesn't really have anything left to do. So there's a lot going on in Burma, and he's like, well, maybe they need an accountant in Burma. So right now, he's trying to work out a plan to get into Burma and continue serving the Lord. And this is what we're seeing Uh, not just Aang, but all over Southeast Asia and probably all over the world, is that there's a huge opportunity for professionals to go in and serve by either by helping missionaries or reaching communities that a lot of times the, the traditional missionary cannot reach. That same teammate that's going to Thailand, when she first came to Thailand, Sherlyn, when she first came to Thailand, her background was special education. And she said, well, I just want to do a one-month internship. What, do you know of anything that I could do? And I happened to know somebody who wasn't even a Christian. It was a Thai lady who was running a school uh, for kids with autism. And I said, well, why don't you just go and just see how you can serve there? And we'll just see what comes of it. I was just trying to make some connections. Well, after a few weeks, um, I got a call from Sherlyn. And she said, hey, um, something interesting came up. Uh, the, the Kunoi, the lady who leads the school, she, she asked if I, could, if I could speak to a hundred families here in, in this city, all the, they're all families with kids that have special needs. Is that okay if I do that? <laughs> Why are you asking permission? Of course it is. And she goes and she's sharing what, what she, as a Christian, how she serves kids with special needs. It went so well that uh, she called me again. She said, uh, Kunoi wants to take me to Bangkok, you know, the capital of Thailand, to speak to another 300 families with kids with special needs. Am, am I allowed to do that? Of course you are. Of course you are. And so she went and had an amazing opportunity that would never have come my way, all because of her profession that she had. Uh, a few years ago, I traveled to in- Indonesia to go and view a couple different ministries that I thought might, might help me uh, think of some new ways to do ministry in Thailand. And I met one man. He was um, very into evangelism, very into church planning. And to do that, I said, well, so you, what are you doing? Starting churches? What are you, are you going out door to door? You know, what are you doing? And he said, no, 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 that's not what I'm doing at all. I started a media school. And I said, you, well, what, what, how is that going to serve your purpose? Like, that sounds like it would take a lot of time. He goes, oh, it takes a lot of time. But what I'm doing is I'm, I'm starting a media school, and I'm 
Christians are coming to my school and I'm training them how to use videography and other media tools, internet tools, so that they can make videos and uh, all these things that are, that are evangelistic tools to go out and evangelize and plant churches all over Indonesia. And so I got to go to a school and it was amazing. But what he was doing was providing a professional skill to give those Indonesian Christians the ability to go and serve creatively in their communities. So again, professions are making the opportunity. This is Sherlyn teaching government officials Mandarin Chinese. She's using her skills that she has and creating. These are government officials, Buddhists that want nothing to do with Christianity, but now are seeing a little Christ in my teammate and from the opportunity of teaching Mandarin. Um, a Filipino missionary to Thailand teaching American missionaries how to do agriculture for the sake of God's kingdom. Brazilians teaching soccer, of course, right? But who doesn't want to go to a Brazilian soccer camp in Thailand for the Lord? This is a list that every profession I could think of for my city, okay? If, if I met somebody of this profession, of any of these professions, I right now currently have an opportunity for that person to serve for God's kingdom in my city. It's just, just in my city of all of these professions. And uh, what I mean by just my city is there's probably more. If your profession's not up there, there's some other place in the world that you can probably serve that, that your profession, your skills, your talents can add to what missionaries are doing, add to what the church is doing, add to those local ministries. So people are living all over the world, not where they come from, they live in different places. Professionals are becoming missionaries. And the third amazing thing about modern missions, missions starts with this family right here. Raza Fimantazoa family. I've worked really hard to remember this family's name. Uh, I shared a year ago that um, we're really involved at a school in Thailand. And uh, one of my jobs there is the school's main goal, uh, main purpose is to serve missionary families. So their kids have a place they can get education and that the parents are free to do the ministries they're called to do. So um, we're involved in the school for other reasons, but that's one of the reasons the school's there. And one of my jobs was to interview new families coming to the school. That put me in an awesome place to talk to the Thai families, but I got to meet some awesome missionary families as well. So one day, the, someone knocks on my office door, and they said, there's another missionary family that would like to come to the school. Would you like to, to meet with them right now? I said, yeah, I'm free. Please send them in. And I, honestly, I was very surprised because we don't, in Thailand, you don't, uh, you rarely see someone of African descent in Thailand, both missionaries and tourists or anything, just you just don't. So I was surprised. Oh, great. I'm glad you're here. Um, tell me, where are you from and what are you doing? And, and the father of the family, he looked at me and he said, speak Thai. Uh, that was all the English he knew. Um, because, and so we had to start communicating in Thai. And I said, well, in Thai. This is all in Thai. I said, where are you from? He said, Madagascar. And, I, and my jaw just dropped open. I was like, don't they need missionaries in Madagascar? Like, what in the world are you doing here? And he said, yes, we need missionaries in Madagascar. But the church there is getting stronger and stronger. And my church has been praying. And they, uh, the, God said, for our family, it's time to go to uh, Thailand. And it's just unbelievable. And, you know, God brought a family to, of Madagascar. Malagasy is the right way to say that. I tried Madagascarian. He corrected me. That's not right. It's Malagasy, the Malagasy family to Thailand, because that family has something that none of the rest of us have that, that Thailand needs. And so this is a wonderful, beautiful family that's there serving the Thai people now. And this is what we're seeing. We're seeing missionaries coming from places that used to be mission fields. And so there are families coming from um, Korea, Taiwan, uh, Singapore, Indonesia, Brazil, South America, Philippines. These are all places that used to be 
huge mission fields where we're sending lots of missionaries, and now we're seeing local churches from those places send missionaries out, and it's amazing to see that happening. Uh, my own team is, is um, uh, right here on the, the screen. We're two Americans. That's obviously my wife and I, and then we have two Singaporeans, two Thais, and a Canadian, and we're actively seeking out some Taiwanese teammates because uh, because of what the Taiwanese can bring to the Thai culture is it just creates opportunities that my wife and I, as, as white Americans, w- couldn't offer. And so God is just opening doors and opening opportunities for all sorts of things to happen. Um, also, it's not just countries, but it's also specific ethnic groups. Uh, probably about a uh, probably about a hundred years ago, there was a movement of God in the mountains of Thailand and Burma and China among the people called the Lisu. And the Lisu people were the poor of the poor. They were tribals. They were living up there. They, they didn't have a written language, all sorts of things. And there was, there was the, kind of like the missionary that I had showed at the very beginning. There was a man named J.O. Frazier who went and lived and served and died there. And um, God used that and made a movement where these people came to Christ. And then it kind of got quiet. Missionaries went to other places, places that needed missionaries more. And the Lisu church was it's just kind of got quiet for a little while. And then just a few years ago, all of a sudden, God moved again, and not by building the church necessarily in numbers, but giving this church, the Lisu Church, a burden to be missionaries. And so now, this poor than poor people are training and sending missionaries to the Thai Buddhists, to the Burmese, to the Chinese. Uh, and, this is, and this is a picture. I had the opportunity to go and help train them in evangelism method, uh, storytelling evangelism method. There's an Australian couple that's, uh, that's overseeing this Bible school and training these missionaries in biblical knowledge and also church planning strategies. And it's just amazing to see. And only, I, honestly, only God would have come up with a strategy. Only God would have called the Lisu people because so, t- so many times when I look at it with the other missionaries look at it, we're, we're not sure how it's going to happen. I'm not sure how they're going to even get enough funding to support themselves to, to reach out to these, these groups that they want to reach out to. Uh, but God has obviously called them, and God's going to make a way for it to happen. So what's modern missions? Modern missions is people living all over the world in places where they didn't come from. Modern missions is, is professionals serving through their skills and talents and abilities in, in ways that add to the kingdom that were, were, weren't possible before. And also God's kingdom has now has a huge, diverse group of servants that are serving uh, all over the world in, in many, many ways. Now, what hasn't changed about missions? What hasn't changed? God has not changed. God is still the great Poo-Jat-Gan. Okay, so that's obviously not English. That's some Thai. That's your Thai lesson for today. Honestly, it's not a very helpful word. If you went to a Thai restaurant and said this, they'd be very confused. But I'll, I'm going to teach you how to say it anyway. So you've got to say it exactly like me or you're saying something completely different, right? Okay, so poo. Don't, don't say poo. Okay, that's very different. Poo. Jot. Gan. All right, not gan, but gan. Okay, it's got to get longer there. Okay, so poo jot gan. So God is the great poo gan. And poo gan means director or maestro. It, God is the one who is overseeing all of this and putting the pieces into place in ways that we couldn't even imagine or configure ourselves. And sometimes we even look at it and we think, I don't even know how this is all going to work out. But God is moving people around, moving people into the places where he needs them so that his kingdom grows. And honestly, our part is quite small, but that's so that God gets the glory and so people can see how amazing he is. And it's beautiful. The other thing is, no, even though God can do anything, and he has done in history, 
God has a favorite method, and that's using people. He's never forsaken that method, whether it's Lisu, whether it's Singaporeans, or whether it's Americans, or whether it's accountants, or teachers, or special ed people. God continues to use people. And because he uses people, he always works by relationship. That's what he has with us, is that relationship with us. That's how he's restoring us, and that's how he wants to use us to help others be restored as well. And so God is always asking us. If you notice in those professions that I mentioned, God isn't just asking people to do accounting. He's asking them to do accounting for others. God's just not asking people to do agriculture, but to do agriculture for the sake of others. And that's the relationship. It's that mentality of we're serving other people. And then comes the real truth that I, I wish wasn't true. I wish it was easy. I wish it was simple. But serving other people is still challenging. And even though I'm not like Hudson Taylor and I'm not living in a bamboo hut and I'm not going out every day and getting water from the well or whatever old mentality we have in our minds when we think of missionaries, serving others is still challenging. There's no way around it. Uh, But so was going to the cross. So was the purchase of our redemption through the blood of Jesus Christ. And Jesus was willing to do that. And we need to prepare ourselves to serve other people. So, we went over what's changed. We went over what hasn't changed. Um, what do we do with all of that now? What, what, where do we go with this information dump that I just gave you? What do we do with that? Should I just check out? Uh, what should I do? Or was it just kind of cool? Is it just kind of like, oh, that's new. That's fun. Let's, let's go eat donuts. I don't mean, you know, what's next? The very first thing, and I hope this is already rising in your heart, is the very first thing we should do is just praise God. We should praise him because this is all what he has done. And it's amazing for us to be able to just see and experience that. As I was preparing for the sermon, I, I honestly, I felt convicted uh, because too often I'm looking at things with blinders or tunnel vision. I'm too often just looking at my ministry. I'm too often just thinking, oh, here's what I need to do and here's what I lack and uh, maybe God's doing something. And too often it's not big enough. It's not, I'm not seeing God for what he's really doing. And then as I was as I was looking through the Bibles, I'm looking at Scripture, I'm realizing I'm doing the same thing with Scripture as well. Here's some very familiar verses. First one, Acts, you shall be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. Paraphrase a little there. Oh yeah, that verse, that's, that's for missionaries. That tells us what missionaries should do. Okay, next one. Uh, any of the gifting verses here at 1 Peter. Uh, each, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. Oh, yeah, that's the, that's the verse you use to explain to people in the church that, uh, that they need to serve. The, you know, we need greeters, we need ushers, we need worship team, we need those people. That, that helps build the body of Christ, right? That's what that verse is about. And then Revelations, you know, great multitude, knowing count, tribes, tongue, nations, singing before God. Oh, that, that's what heaven's going to, that's the future. That's what, the, that's what that is. And honestly, there's nothing wrong with those obvious, the obvious meanings of those verses. That's not wrong. But how narrow it is, I realize. How narrow for me to think of these verses this way. And I, I was, we need to combine these verses. We need them all to come together because that's really what God is doing. And I found a verse in uh, yeah, Revelations chapter 5. It's a song. It says, they sang a new song saying, you are worthy talking about Jesus here, because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you've made them into be a kingdom and priests to serve our God. The interesting the context is the future of this, but they're actually singing about this time. They're singing about the time after Jesus. 
They're saying, Jesus, you are worthy because you initiated this amazing growth of God's kingdom where you are purchasing people from all nations to serve you now, to build your kingdom now as priests. And that's what I get, that's what I'm hoping to share with you today, and that's what I get to see as I work with Malagasy's, as I work with Koreans and Taiwanese and Singaporeans, and as I see the Thai church adding and serving and growing and one day hopefully sending missionaries themselves. This is what God is doing. This is the work, and we get to see this. Paul didn't get to see this. He talked about that this will happen. He, he hoped that one day this will happen, but we get to see this right now in our very lives. That is amazing, and that is why we worship our Lord and our Savior who is worthy. And so right now, I want us to take a time to just do that. So I'm not a singer, so we're going to pray instead. So let's just worship God through prayer. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, you are worthy. The work that you did while you were here on earth was amazing and astounding, and the way you served us, there's just nothing that compares to that. And we praise you and we honor you for that. But the work that's still going on through your spirit, the calling and purchasing people from nations and languages and tribes to be your servants, to be your uh, kingdom, uh, the founders of your kingdom, the proclaimers of your kingdom, the builders of your kingdom, it is amazing, Lord. And we sit in awe, and we just want to say, you are the great Puchekan. You are the one who organizes all this. Thank you for allowing us to see it. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of that. And Lord, show us more because it, it just builds our faith, and we just, we just want you to be bigger in our minds, in our hearts, Lord. And we give you our adoration. We give you our praise. In Jesus' name, amen. But that's not all, is it? God's not saying that's, that just stop there. Now, here's the part where I get a little worried for myself, because I always get a little worried that, uh, well, that missionaries are going to give guilt trips, honestly, right? And I, I feel bad. So I'm going to talk about that in a second, but let's just talk about what is, what is actually needed from us. We need to engage. Yes, we need to engage with this world that we live in, this one that we understand now, the modern world that's going on. We need to engage. And as I was preparing, as I've been reading this year, as I've been thinking about it, you know what those old missionaries needed more than anything? They needed endurance. They needed perseverance because they needed to go and stay and serve, whether it was so many died of sickness and, and, and persecution and things like that. That's, that's generally not happening as much now. It's generally not happening as much now that missionaries are dying of disease or boat accidents or all, all sorts of things that used to happen. It's generally not going on. Perseverance was then, and while we still need perseverance, what we really need now is some creativity. There are so many opportunities, so many ways to serve God's kingdom that's almost overwhelming. And you can't do it all. We all know that we can't do it all. And so we need to be creative. Like, how, how can we serve God with, right now with what we have and who we are? How can we be a light for Jesus with that? And so how creative can you be? How creative can you be? So here's a few questions. Where will you go? Where will you go to serve the Lord? Maybe you should go to Madagascar. That family probably would be happy if you did that. They probably have some relatives that need to know Jesus, and you might be the person to show them to them. Or maybe you just need to go across the street. How many of us have neighbors that are, well, we all have neighbors. How many of us have neighbors who are from other places? How many have coworkers who are from other places? So where will you go? The other one is, what will you do? Okay, we all have jobs, professions, skills, talents, giftings. You know, what can you do overseas? How can you add to God's kingdom as it grows and flourishes and matures? 
Uh, if you're a teacher, I already have it figured out for you, okay? You don't need to go anywhere else. You come to Thailand and work with us, okay? You don't have to be creative. I've already done that, all right? So we need that creativity. We also, we also, you're also probably sensing, you also need that discernment from God. You need to know, like, God, there's so many opportunities. I can't do them all. What would you have me do? How long will you go for? Okay, in this world, it's amazing how, where you can go these days. We, uh, my wife has been looking for tickets for us to go back to Thailand, and we found some tickets um, from Boston to Bangkok for $400. $400. That's amazing. Now, I see some, I see some people, you're looking at each other, and I, I, I imagine you're saying, hey, vacation, right? And, and that's cool. Thailand's a cool place to vacation, all right? And it's amazing that, that just for $400 you can get there. But I challenge you, if, if that's all it takes to go somewhere, then why not go? Why not go and see and explore and see what God has for you there? Why not go for a month? Why not go for a year? Why not go for two years? And maybe that means go to Chicago. I don't know because the world is so intermixed. The opportunities are also there. The sky's the limit on these opportunities. Be creative. Be discerning. What does God have for you? I've been amazed how many missionaries that I've met that have come to serve for one or two years where one of the biggest hurdles is what do I do about work and stuff like that. I've been amazed how many people have gotten leave. They, they're praying. They feel called. They go talk to their boss. They're saying, you know, I, I feel like God's asking me to go and serve in this other country. I was just, I don't know what to do with my job. And the boss says, hey, why don't you take a year off and I'll, get, I'll make sure you have a job when you get back. That's, that's bizarre. That's honestly bizarre. And only God could do that. Uh, but it's happening because God wants this to work. God is, God is the one that's organizing this. He's the putjack God. He's making it happen. And so don't be afraid to be creative. Don't be afraid to try, to see, to explore. So the creativity is there. So what do we actually need to do? How do you actually move forward with this? Well, this is what I want to challenge you with. The first thing you need to do is to pray and to hear. Hudson Taylor, when he would go to churches, uh, that was in the late 1800s, and one of the things that they would often do is after a missionary would give a sermon, they would often take a love offering. You guys are familiar with love offerings, right? It's like, well, if you felt something, if you, you know, just put a little money in the basket and they'll go to this person's ministry. And that's common. And Hudson Taylor's favorite thing to do was when they would offer, when they would say something about the Hudson Taylor, uh, when he'd say something about the love offering, he would stand up and he would say, no, stop. Please don't. I don't want your money. I want you to think about what I said and I want you to go and pray and ask God what he wants you to do. One time uh, he did that, and the next day a man came up to him and he said, I'm really thankful. I was going to put some money into the offering, but I didn't because I heard your words, and I went home and I prayed. And God said, don't give money. And so I'm, th I'm thankful you told me that. Uh, I did hear from the Lord. And so what I heard from the Lord is that I'm now going to give you my daughter. Now, in our modern world, that's probably not the best thing to do, that the father just said, I'm just going to give you my daughter. But in those days, it was, I'm going to send my daughter to theological school training, and she's going to go, and she's going to serve on the mission field. But, and I'm, I'm not asking for your daughters, by the way. Um, <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is, is too often, uh, we just do that thing we think we're supposed to do, right? Um, I'm not here to give anybody a guilt trip. I, I am a firm believer that God does not use guilt to motivate people to serve. That is not what, that is not of the Lord. And if that's what you're hearing this morning, I give you permission to say, God is not speaking to me through Greg. That is okay. You can say that to yourself and you can just say, God, that sermon obviously wasn't for me. God, when you want to speak to me, just do that. Uh, this is not about guilt trip. But I want to encourage all of you to go to the Lord, pray and ask him to speak to you about what you 
how you should be involved and how you should engage and what next steps you should take. The other thing that needs to happen is this last one, learn. Uh, too often we, we, we skip this step. And I've seen it even on the mission field with new missionaries arrive. They forget to, they learn the language, but they forget to learn about what's going on and what's happening, what the needs are. And one of the best ways to do this is to go. Um, do you know how many different countries are represented in Houston? I, I mean, I don't. But do you know your city well enough to know the opportunities that are there? Do you know who your neighbors are? Do you know who the missionaries are that you support? Have you ever thought about going and visiting them and just hearing about what they're doing and what the opportunities are and maybe thinking, maybe how could my skills help this missionary or what are the opportunities that are out there? Go and explore. Go take a vacation and take a few days of your vacation to visit some local ministries and hear what's going on and seeing what the needs are. Go and explore and see what God has for you. I'm also aware that some of you this morning, you, you might be new to church and this whole sermon might have been very, very confusing because I didn't really explain a lot about this whole God and God's kingdom thing. But if, if you've grasped even a little bit, I hope you just understood that God is doing something amazing in this world and he wants you to be a part of it. I had a, a Bible professor say to me once, the whole Christian life starts with one giant yes followed by daily little yeses. And so if you haven't made that giant yes accept the invitation that God's asking you to be a part of something amazing. I just want to encourage you to. And if you want to ask more about that, I'm happy to chat with you. And Jeff, of course, is happy to chat with you um, to, to help you understand what God's asking and what God's inviting you to do. For the rest of you, those little yeses, if today you could just say that little yes to go home and pray and just really ask and listen and, and see. And as a church, I, want, I would challenge you to do that as well. Not just as individuals, but as, as members of a body that are supporting people in, um, I saw Haiti, and China, and Georgia, and Thailand, of course, and just ask God, what is it that you want us to add to these works? Or are there new works that you want us to be a part of? And so be working on that as a body. Be working on that as believers in the Lord who knows there's a God who's organizing things all over the world and that you are a part of that. Now, before we leave, I just want to take the chance to just pray for you that God would lead you as you seek and uh, pray to him. Let's, let's pray.